0: And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn. Yes. Pop quiz, hotshot. Oh, God, here it comes. You're walking down the street. Mm. You're in North America. Yes. You suddenly find yourself in desperate need of working dog equipment. Right. Where are you going to get it?
1: Canine Dynamics. Canine Dynamics. Yeah.
0: Is that where, if you were in North
1: America, you would get all your working dog equipment? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Why? The best. All-round good guy. All-round good guy. a point. He spells his name with a C and not a K. Oh, he must be cool. He must be really cool. All right, next question. Yes. You're walking down the street. Mm. Same in, street? No. Okay. Now you're in Australia.
0: <laughs>
1: you can find yourself in need yep. of dog equipment. Mm-hmm. Who are you calling? Oh, hang on a sec. Let me think about it. Is he a buff head? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he's half a bullfed now. Yeah. Yeah. He's the fading bullfed. He's the fading bullfed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's given it away I call, old mate, Jason Furman. Yep. From Einzer Wiener. Ainsa Ainsa. Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Yep. One more question. Right. You
0: are in Ashland, Virginia. Right. And that's you very ne- specific. <laughs> 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 You're walking down the street. Yep. Which street? Uh, any of them. A street. Okay. And you meet a person mm. whose dog's just being unruly. Their pet dog's
1: causing them all kind of problems. Yep. Who are you going to refer them on to? Oh, the one and only Kindred Canine. Kindred Canine. Kindred Canine. Who runs that? Melanie Benware. Aha. Uh-huh. The Prez.
0: The Prez of the ISCP. Yep. The one right. and only. So, you would need working dog equipment in North America? Mm-hmm. Canine, Canine Dynamics. Dynamics. Need any kind of dog gear in yep. Australia? Yep. Or Fed Central. Ironswick Dog Quip? Yep. Need some pet dog
1: in-home? What does she call it? She calls it stay and train or play and train. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, all of that. Who are you calling? Kindred Canine, Melanie Benway. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Love you.
0: Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio by my co-host, Glenn Cook.
1: Another one with you and I. It's just us. Well, it's good. You know, we've had a long- uh, String of interviews. Long string of interviews, yeah, which has been
0: great. We need to get someone in. We needed people in here. I'm looking at all these microphones here.
1: I know. We've got Uh, uh, two lovely chairs and a bunch of microphones pointing at them Mm. and uh, no bottoms to fill them.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, you know, with no travel happening, Mm. there's, there's no fresh faces in town that we can say, hey, come in here and do this. Yeah. And it's hard interviewing people online. Like it's, I mean, we do it, but- It's tricky. You don't have the best internet connection here, so the video sometimes lags. Mm. It's tricky, but
1: Yeah, it is tricky. And you know what I'm like about my sound quality. (laughs)
0: I know. Must
1: (laughs) drive you crazy editing that compared to in-person interviews. Well, it's just nicer when somebody's sitting in a seat and they've got a nice rich tone when you're Mm -hmm. On an internet connection, you know, it depends on the room variant. You know, if the room is large, like when we had Denise on the show, we had actually had a really good connection with her, but you know, she's sitting in a large room and. And most people are just
0: working off of a laptop,
1: right? Yeah. So they don't have
0: a big fancy microphone.
1: Yeah. So we get the best with what we can, but it's always nicer. And, it, you know, it's it's nice to have a bit of banter too when you've got someone here. And, yeah, it's easier you when You can face-to-face. Face. That's right. You can have a coffee and have a bit of a chat and so forth. So yeah. might have to get Birdie back in and mm-hmm. um, do a recap on, you know, some of the emotions floating around mm. the dog industry at the moment.
0: If and when you ever have some time on your hands, we need to get the other project under underway. The
1: other project, yes. It's ready to go. It's it just waiting on
0: you to actually have some uh, a spare moment to scratch your ass. Mm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> (laughs) well. That's that's been a challenge in itself considering we're on the NDTF marathon at the moment.
0: Yeah. Mm. I couldn't believe it when I got here and it's on again. There's
1: another group, yeah. Wow. Well, as I said, we're compensating for all the borders being shut down. So because Melbourne's at standstill at the moment and they're trying to get students in courses, we're taking the backfill of it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is consecutively the most ever amount of students that we've ever taken on. Mm. It's a lot what we do. Like every year I look at it and it's two months of my year teaching students, now it's four. Yeah. So for four months, probably a little bit more than that. So it's about four and a half months. So almost half a year dedicated to student training. Yeah. When I've got five major boarding kennels to run on top of that. And a podcast to edit. And a podcast to edit. <laughs> and uh and a, and a wife to, to live with.
0: <laughs> 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 oh God, we better talk some dogs. Yeah. Hey, I, I had this idea, right? Mm. So this has been floating around for a little while, and it's something that I talk about quite a bit whenever
1: I'm teaching. Is uh, language, right? Mm. Yeah, you pitched that in the in last week's episode. Yeah,
0: I, standardizing definitions I like and that it. sort of stuff. I like it. Yeah. 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 So what triggered me during the week? Not triggered me, but I, I thought, no, we have to talk about this. We have to sort of you know work through some of these standard things. Mm this has been a build-up, right? Because we did the, we did an episode where we we're talking about work, right. And where yep. the dogs are suitable for the work. And then, you know, our, my, well, certainly my beliefs were challenged on that because, you know, there is no definition of work, Mm -hmm. right? So what is that? Like whatever the task you need your dog to perform, if he does it adequately, he is performing the work. And that was a challenge for me to kind of accept that because in a biting breed, I think the work is like, you know, some sort of certification. To me, it's a a proving a test, Mm -hmm. right? And everybody has some form of test, whether you're working security or whether you're competing in sports or even military working dogs, they have to certify, right? So there is some sort of objective standard where we say yes, that dog has met the standard, and in my opinion, that's the work, mm-hmm. right? But you know, my beliefs on that were challenged, and I have to accept that when people say my nerve bag reactive dog barks at people as they go past the house, and that's the work. The yep. work is providing perimeter security, and he does that effectively, and mm-hmm. I have to, I have to accept that, right? Like that's fine. That that is the truth. So that's what sort of brought it to the front of my mind. But then during the week, a friend and client of mine has that company, that Fur Baby Aromatherapy, yep. right? And it's essential oils for dogs. Mm. Now you can't get any further from what I'm into in doctor. <laughs> <laughs> right? But she gave me some when she first started doing it. And I kind of jokingly was like, Oh, look, essential oils. Remy and kind of sprayed it around and he went nuts. Mm-hmm. Right? He loves the fla- the smell of one of them. He, he drenches himself in it. Like when I, if I sprayed on the floor, he like rubs himself all over it. He clearly enjoys it. Yep. Right now I won't speak to the behavior modification abilities of essential oils, right? Like I I don't know anything about it. It's not something I've ever investigated, mm-hmm. but the brand and I support it cause my dog loves it is fur baby aromatherapy. Yep. And the word fur baby, are, are they sponsoring our show? Now? <laughs> I know that sounds like an ad, but it's interesting, right? Yeah. The word fur baby yep. fucking lights some people up. Mm. Right. And for some people in the dog world, they really like, that's a, uh, term of compassion, mm-hmm. right? Like it's my fur baby. This is my kid. And then you see other people, especially sort of more old school people or, or people who are more work orientated.
1: Yep. They have sparks flying
0: out of their oh, teeth that when word. you mention it. Yeah. Mm. And it's interesting, right? Like where's that bias come from? And I have my own, right? So I probably have called prior to really being into dogs and certainly prior to having kids myself or mm. a kid myself, the word fur baby, like it didn't really have a lot of meaning to me. And I may have, I can't remember specifically ever having said it, but I didn't have feelings about it either way. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that worried me. If someone said you're going home to the fur baby, I'll be like, yeah, no worries. I am. Right. Like it wasn't something that worried me. And I still feel that way. Like when somebody calls their dog, their fur baby, that doesn't trigger me at all, yeah. right? But what I noticed I do do is I use that term as a derogatory term, Mm -hmm. right? So if people just say it in conversation and say, oh, you know, like these are my fur babies and this is is Rex and this is whoever, they're my fur babies. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, they're your dogs. Like that doesn't trigger me at all. Not at all. Mm -hmm. But when, you know, like you see people at a working dog event, and someone turns up and loses their minds about how dare you allow dogs to display drive, we say like, Oh, fuck off your fur baby mummy. Right. (laughs) Like, and that's a derogatory term that we use. Right. (laughs) So I use that word. Well, I accept the word in one way. Yep. Right. And it doesn't trigger me at all. And I, I'm totally okay. Like you can say that anyone can call their dog, their fur baby. You can call my dogs, my fur babies. No, we'll not correct you. Mm -hmm. Right. I just accept it. No problem. But then I use that word as a derogatory
1: thing. How dare you? But I so thought you were a sensitive new age man. You even dressed like one. <laughs> I'm trying to be.
0: I'm working on myself, yeah, right? I can tell. I think that that's interesting, mm. right? The same word in different contexts can have a really different meaning. Mm. Some people say it as a term of endearment. I say it in like, if I call you a fur baby mummy, I am trying to insult you. Yeah. <laughs> like, But also I accept it being said. So that's an interesting word and there's so many others that I think it's worth us exploring Mm. and discussing like, you know, what do we mean by this versus How could somebody else interpret that? Mm. Because I feel like language is very important because it shapes people's thoughts, right? And so you can't – I feel like it's one of those things you can't be bullied into being made to use a word in a particular way, right? Mm. Because what someone is then trying to do when they try and bully you into you must use this word in this way is they are trying to control the way that you think. Yeah, it's conformity. Yeah. yeah,
1: friendship through conformity.
0: And and so, you know, when I teach, I I one of the first things I do at every event that I teach is I say there's four words we have to agree on. And I demand that for the next two days or three days or however long we're together, mm. you accept my definitions and use them back to me. Yep. When we're done, you do whatever you want. But if we're going to communicate effectively with each other, we need to agree on these words, right? Yep. And because we don't have, you know, I'm the one with the
1: microphone, so I get to fucking say. But it's also measurable. Because we have to do the same thing for the NDTF course. The maiden speech that's given, one of them, is this is what we're marking you on. We have to use this. It's NDTF approved language. Mm -hmm. Okay. After you leave here, if you're going to a club, if you're going to an event, if you're going to whatever, you don't have to use these terms, but Mm. you do to be marked.
0: And so that's one of the issues we have in the dog world is say, when you're teaching NDTF, that is a closed system. Mm -hmm. You're saying to those people on your test here, when you communicate with me, there's a series of words that we're going to use and this is their meaning. And in this closed system, you must Use those in order that we can communicate effectively. Exactly. I do the same thing. And as I said before, I think that when you demand someone use a particular word in a particular way, you are trying to control their thoughts, Mm -hmm. right? And so I benefit for that. Well, that's right. So I totally acknowledge that because Mm. that's what I do in the classes when I teach, when I say, especially when I'm talking about the difference between correction and an aversive, right? Because I want people to understand that a correction is not aversive. Like I am trying to control your thoughts, right? I'm not trying to stop anything with a correction. I'm trying to start one thing, right? Mm. So it, it has a particular meaning and I am trying to control your thoughts. So where else does that exist that we have biases we haven't thought of? What's a word that you can think of that to you means something and you're aware, though, that other people use it in another way? In dog training terms or just mm. in general? Well, we're a dog training show, but we also talk a lot of shit, so in, in general, I suppose.
1: Training in drive. Yeah, okay. Mm. Godfrey Dilley died recently. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. and I saw some acknowledgements to him and- I think we should the people acknowledge-
0: who, Yeah, the people who think, why is why is Pat saying that he has a book called Training and Drive?
1: Yeah, well, he was the original person who published himself and Sheila Booth, who co-authored the book with him. He was the original person who published and phrased the term Training and Drive. During his time, he was a good coach. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he came out to Australia. I wasn't actually fortunate enough to attend his seminar at the time. I have had dialect with Godfrey before. hmm I'd like to acknowledge his contribution into the canine community and for making people think on different paradigms as well. So thanks, Godfrey, and rest in peace, mate. Mm. Mm. So training and drive. Training and drive, yeah, that's an interesting concept that's been kicked around. And the word drive. Drive uh, was on my list. I'm glad you said this. Yeah. When I first sort of came into the canine community professionally with Boyd, I mean, we used the terms prey drive Defence Drive, et cetera, et cetera. And there was a limited amount of them. But suddenly, all of a sudden, training in Drive, the concept became popularized. It almost became a joke, and we were using it in a derogatory term because, you know, there were people that would basically say, oh, my dog's taking a shit in drive. (laughs) Um, And it was a marketing ploy for them, you know. So there was a couple of old mates down the road that everything was doing something in drive. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, my dog's eating in drive. Now it's sleeping in drive. And that was the derogatory term that we started to use was Mm -hmm. everything was kicking the dog into a drive, and I'm using the – you know, the little Mm -hmm. rabbit ear fingers. So that kind of annoyed us a little bit, and I didn't actually realise at the same time that that was triggering me. But it it was actually triggering me because I'm thinking, well, how many fucking drives are there? How many do you know of?
0: I don't know. I think, you know, there is a number for that. I think there's about four or five. Well, let's talk about them Mm -hmm. because – Many years ago, I was in Texas helping with a NAPWIDA certification. One of the master trainers, and now it's my turn to use inverted-
1: The rabbit ears. Uh, the rabbit ears. Yep.
0: Said that there was 14 drives. Yep. Right? And that's a fact. Like, there wasn't available for a discussion about that. Okay. There is these 14 drives. It might have been 16. I can't remember. Right. right. Because I remember thinking at the time- like, "Jesus, it's a growing number.
1: <laughs> it's a
0: towering inferno of drives. But before we can discuss how many drives there are- You first have to define what a drive is, Mm. right? Because like you can't talk about how many there is of something if you don't know what that something is, right? So what is a drive? And from my point of view, it's just a motivator, right? I'm motivated by something, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that you're right A dog probably can shit and drive, (laughs) right? Is there a a take a shit drive? Well, if he's motivated to take a shit, then he's in take a shit drive. Mm. But so we could endlessly say this, right? And that's not helpful. No. Right? So I think that things that are helpful, I think that we could say that there is – Like a food drive. I think that, like, hunger being food drive. Mm, There's sexual drive. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. I think that there's
1: prey drive. Yep. Which is commonly used. Prey and defense drive are the two most coined and most commonly used. So, defense drive. Yeah.
0: I think as well that some dogs, you know, well, well, there's play drive. Yeah, play drive. Yep. And where's the line between those, right? So, prey and play. Yeah. Right? where because if you're playing with your dog and you throw the ball as part of the play mm and he runs after the moving ball, did he just switch from play drive into prey drive?
1: You know, that's an interesting one. That's been a conversation I've seen on many forums over many years because I would have argued when I was a younger trainer and a less experienced trainer and a more pig-headed trainer that they are one in the same, Mm. but I don't believe they are. I think prey drive is more about intent where play drive is more about The involvement of a game. Sure.
0: So in play drive, Mm -hmm. there is no outcome other than to win the game. Right. Where in prey drive, it would be to- Chase, kill, and eat. Ultimately consume. If possible. Right. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. We can have that conversation. Mm. But having a really narrow definition of those two things, how helpful is that? Right? Like where does that come into play? Where are we going to use that? Where mm. Where are we going to, aside from being dickheads standing on the side of the field, like with our hands on our beer bellies talking about what <laughs> somebody else on the field is doing and going, I'll oh, see that. That was play drive, right? Like some <laughs> like <their> old uncles. <laughs> yeah. Aside from that,
1: which is fucking useless. Yep. What good is distinguishing those things? I think in schooling, take for example, the NDTF. If you're mm. teaching future trainers what to look for, like if they're categorizing the mood or the mind frame of a dog. I think it's useful there. Mm. Okay, so for future generations, absolutely. But I mean, you're right. If you're sitting on the on the side of a field, nitpicking at somebody out on a competition field, that's big. Like fucking talking
0: deal. semantics like that is where I mean it's probably not that helpful in that moment. You know, the other one. So as I'm talking about that, I'm thinking, well, we can define it. An- It does end up working out in closed circles because you and I would never argue over whether a dog is in drive or not, Mm. right? That's very observable. We would both, and and even though we might disagree at the the very pointy end of which drives a dog is in and how many there are, and blah blah blah, I don't think that if you were to show us a video, Mm. right? If you were to do a, a blind test where we watch separately and score whether a dog is binarily in or out of drive, I think we would agree and totally on whether a dog is in or out of drive, right? Yeah. So, you know, those finer details of it is maybe not so helpful in the application. It's good to know, but Mm. whether it's that helpful in the application. so It it creates a lot of arguments.
1: Yes, exactly. And 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 it's probably unnecessary. Yeah, that's right. That's what I have seen is people spend more time arguing this than actually getting out there and training. I think that's one of the principal problems is Mm. the amount of – Arguing, And, you know, like I've been in these sort of discussions before and people say, well, we're not arguing, we're debating, Mm. you know. And I said, well, you're spending more time debating than you're actually out there physically solving it. Yeah. You know, so why not get into the pragmatic side? Then it's conclusive. Mm -hmm. So another drive that Mm -hmm. I think
0: exists is pack drive. Yep. Right. So you would agree that pack drive is a drive? I
1: wouldn't have years ago, but I do agree that. Okay. So now
0: this is where it gets murky. So we're watching a dog work and whether he's working for food, toys, biting, whether he really is being truly aggressive to the decoy. Yep. So we've just talked there, food drive, play drive, prey drive, defense drive, right? Mm -hmm. And he's working in all of those. We'd agree. And like I said, we could watch videos independently and say, that is a dog in drive and that is not. Yep. Now imagine fur baby and its mummy sitting in the field and they're just having a wonderful cup of tea together And the mummy gets up and moves five metres away and the fur baby gets up and also moves those five metres. Despite being very comfortable and happy where it was, Mm -hmm. moves to stay, you know, the distance that it was from the fur baby mummy. Yep. That's pack drive. So is that dog in drive?
1: Well, it's driven to do something, yeah. So driven this to is... change its objective. It's also, it could be lacking confidence. There's a lot of reasons why that could have happened.
0: Okay, it's a, we know the background of the dog's the best dog ever, Yeah, right? It's totally confident. It's mm. Just It is very pack-driven. Likes the company of others, right? Yep. It wants to be included in, you know, it's
1: very affiliative, right? My definition around pack drive, and I could be wrong in this, but my definition around pack drive is when I watch – documentaries of wolves hunting together, mm-hmm. you know, like the communication and effectiveness of the pack hunting. And people could say, oh, that's hunt drive or that's prey drive or it's mm-hmm. this. And they'd probably be right. Yeah. But I also call that pack drive as well. When I'm watching a pack of wolves communicating effectively and using a strategy to bring down a larger mm-hmm. prey object. Yeah. I agree with that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's always been my definition of it, but I'm happy to be proven wrong.
0: Yeah. So like sometimes I think – you know, I was helping someone out just recently where they have a dog that, interesting case, right? Mm. In that it is quite happy home alone, yep. right? So it doesn't have separation anxiety, can go out on a walk with any member of the family. Mm. That's all fine. Yep. If two members of the family go on a walk and separate, the dog loses its mind, yep. right? And if you were to observe that, you would go like, that dog is a nervous wreck. I've observed it, right? They've sent me video of it in the wild, right? Mm-hmm. Like doing it naturally and I've seen it for real up close, Right. But just that seeing, sounds like FOMO to me.
1: Well, what drive is that? Because yeah. the
0: dog is fucking in
1: drive. I can tell you, it loses its mind. Yeah. Right. Because Ladybug does that. She gets FOMO big time and destroys her beds when she can hear the other dogs having a lot of fun and she's missing out.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. so I would definitely call that FOMO. But this is a dog that just when it's home, home alone is fine. Yeah. Right. So it's not a separation anxiety issue. The dog knows how to be alone. Yep. People can go out individually from the house. That's fine. And the dog can be walked by individuals in the house. Any one of them, that's fine. Right. But if two people leave or more and they separate by any measure, I'm talking a couple of meters, the dog loses its mind. Mm -hmm. Right. And goes to water. So what fucking drive is that? Like, so it's interesting. Now we've worked through it and they're improving it and, and we'll rectify the issue. Right. But if we're going to talk about, pack drive. To me, that looks like a pack drive. Like I said to them, like, I think that your dog is like, has a lot of affiliation and doesn't like the pack to separate.
1: And the dog isn't neurotic in any other way? It's totally fine otherwise. Okay. Yeah. It's an interesting one. It's fucking crazy right Mm. now. Like I'm just going to come up with a new drive called FOMO drive. (laughs) Right.
0: I have to get back to that master trainer and tell him there's now
1: 15. Well, 17. 15 maybe. or 17. I can't remember. Glenn's added one. FOMO drive. Yep. Yeah. Glenn's added one. Yep. It's on the list. Yep. Ladybug can claim it's that got one. FOMO drive. FOMO drive.
0: So it's interesting, right? So we could talk about this forever, but that's just
1: one word. Yeah. Drive, drive is triggering heated discussion and heavy debate. And it has, like, this has been a contentious topic now for 30 years of me being involved in the industry, Uh you know, and I've never really been totally satisfied that there is a common language around it because Mm -hmm. there is a lot of fighting and a lot of finger pointing and a lot of discontent around it.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. So we've known each other five or six years. Yep. We train together every week. Yep. We talk to each other and publicly every week, mm-hmm. I consider you my closest circle of friends mm-hmm. and we can't even completely agree on what drive is when we're having a very civil, loving conversation <laughs> facing opposite each other. What fucking hope mm-hmm. is there that the dog community as a whole can possibly agree on what drives are, that word? Mm. What does that mean? And especially when those conversations are happening
1: online. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: What hope do we have?
1: None. None. <laughs> <laughs> this How'd is why there's nuclear missiles in bunkers. Yeah. They're problem solvers.
0: Yeah. Well, fuck. I hope it doesn't. I hope no one in the dog world gets the capacity no, no. to push that fucking button or we'd hell. be fucking finished in a second. Yeah.
1: You don't agree with me on drive. Cop you this. called your, your dog a fur, baby. <laughs> <laughs> getting back to that, it, it's interesting that you brought up that topic because- I would be lying if I said that word didn't trigger me once upon a time Mm -hmm. because, you know, I come from the old school of dinosaur trainers and I've been trying to shrug that by trying to stay modern and listen to people and embrace more techniques. But, you know, I've been around for a long time. I've watched a lot of things happening and the evolution coming. You know, it ebbs and flows. It moves in and out of the whole universe of what we call professional dog training. Mm -hmm. And that term – when it came up, I almost retched, you know, I just thought what a fucking ridiculous anthropomorphic mm-hmm. term to come up for a dog. Mm-hmm. But as the years have gone by and I've grown and, and reshaped and remodeled myself, I've kind of thought, why am I so resistant to it? Yeah. You know, like if people enjoy that term and they like the use of it and it makes them feel good about it, why do I have to have a stick in my ass about it? Mm the marketing team at work here, they said to us, look, we'd like to put it on our paraphernalia. And I could feel, (laughs) I could feel, you know. It started
0: rising from the toes up, like a boiling feeling. You know how Bruce Banner (laughs) just erupts and turns into the Hulk?
1: You know, I could feel that happening. Like I could feel my Hulk, you know, like pressing against my skin. I thought, fuck. Yeah. Again, then I thought, why am I having this bias? Yeah. You know, what's the problem? And I said, sure, go for it. Mm -hmm. And, It did anger a few people, like a few people that came in to drop their dogs off. They kind of looked at it and said, oh, what do you got that on there for? But the overwhelming majority of people loved it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing about making people feel inclusive and included. I know people don't like that term, but fuck them. (laughs) They don't have to use it. And that's the point for me is I don't use it on my own things. I don't call my dogs fur babies, but if you want to call your dog a fur baby, well, go right ahead and do it. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, But this is the issue because, you know, maybe we we need a Jamie to fact check this, but if you look up the Oxford Dictionary, mm. I doubt you're going to find the word fur baby in there, right? So
1: it doesn't have a specific meaning. It's a cutesy-wootsy term. That's you know, right. Like it's, it's one of those kissy-wissy, puppy so. Tummy-
0: What Uh, it means to you is not necessarily what it means to someone else. And like I say, I will accept others using it in one way. That's fine. And I'm totally down with it. Yeah. And it doesn't upset me at all, but I will still use that same term as a derogatory term. I'll say, fuck off your fur baby mummy, right? When people try and tell, when they don't understand the aspect of like drives, right? When they think that a dog, you know, shouldn't ever be made to work or, you know, like a dog that's, Outside in the rain, right? Like, oh, that's the worst thing in the world. And it's like, well, I'm out here training him, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, I can accept this. Yep. That's someone I would call a fur baby mummy, right? Mm-hmm. But I also, I totally accept that word for people using it and, and it doesn't worry me at all. So there is no definition. It is, it has the connotation that you give it. Yep. And some people give it like a really horrible connotation. Like yep. you are fucking up your dog by calling it a fur baby. Mm. It's like, it doesn't know what it's being called. Right? And chances are people that are calling their dog their fur baby, what they mean by that is that they genuinely love their dog with as much love as they would their a human child. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's fair. Yeah. I think a lot of people do do that. In fact, I've seen some unhealthy relationships that is what people worry about where people do love their dog more than their child. Yep. You see, like, you know, you would have seen a million times Absolutely. when you do in-home stuff where you go there and you're like, this is all out of whack. Mm-hmm. Like you are fucking endangering your kid because you love this dog so much and you are mistreating this dog dog. And that's the type of person that we then refer to as the fur baby mummy that causes problems. Right. I should say fur baby parent. Yep. I'm being very gender specific there, which I shouldn't be, but that's what happens. Right. So, Pet parents. That's a fine word too. Mm. So this is the next thing, <laughs> right? When we when we sat opposite Dr. Cassandra Andre and she said the word pet parent over and over and over and both of us said, fuck, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. We're going to use that, right? Because that is somewhere in between where we go like, you're not a dog owner because a lot of people don't want to think of themselves as owning another animal, yep. right? Although you do, it is property, right? Well, and like, you bought it. Yeah. yeah. So- but they don't want to think of it that way because that feels like a Slavery. Mas- yeah, and- it does, right? So, And that's fair. You don't want yep. to think about it that way. Mm. But then they don't want to be put into the category of I'm fucking up this dog and anthropomorphizing it, which has that fur baby connotation. Yep. So pet parent is maybe a nice fair word that fits in the middle. And mm. we agreed on that. Yep.
1: Right? Yeah, I don't mind The word pet parent sits better with me than fur baby.
0: Yeah, okay. But pet parent describes a person. Fur baby describes the dog. So, as a pet parent, Mm -hmm. can I then have a fur baby? Is that allowed?
1: Did you give birth to it? (laughs) (laughs)
0: No. But so, you see, it's a weird sort of words and people can get really triggered over them and Mm. there is no definition. There is no, like, we have to accept the way that it's used like mm. that's a, with words that sort of don't have a, spec- a specified meaning like when we put a, a string of things together we have to accept the way that it's in common usage but in different circles it's being used differently yeah right because for the average person who's n- you know not a dog trainer at all totally out of the dog industry mm-hmm. to call their dog their fur baby is totally normal mm-hmm. like that's a that's a hundred percent totally normal thing it's just my fur baby this is my my kid that's furry right? yeah but for us that's a different thing.
1: Mm.
0: Weird. It is weird. There's no answer. It's just a, an interesting It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Then understanding that is what has really allowed me and, and really thinking on that, right? Like I, I had a, a deep session thinking about why does that trigger some people and why doesn't it trigger me? But then how do I also then use that as a derogatory term? Like mm. How does that work, right? Then I was like, shit, I'm sort of coming to terms with that. That's how other people feel when I call their dog a nervous wreck, Mm -hmm. right? Because to them, the dog is not, right? Like I look at and I go, those behaviors are coming from nerve. They're bad behaviors I don't like. Therefore, your dog is a nervous wreck, right? But they don't see that. Their behaviors that the dog maybe is displaying is what they want, Mm. right? Because that makes them feel safe or whatever. Now, whether the dog will ever engage and, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. But- From their point of view, the dog is a different thing altogether. Mm -hmm. I think that the word that is interesting that we need a better definition of or to put some – what we need is some better like prefaces to the word is reactivity. Yep. Right? Because reactivity can mean so many different things. Yeah. And it kind of just gets put in – That's a deep well. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of just gets put into – like if someone says my dog is reactive. So there was a time where I'd go, okay, that's aggressive. Right. And probably an aggression stemming from a fear. That was what I would have thought. Mm -hmm. Right. And now I don't even bother. Like, if someone, if I get an email from someone or a text or whatever, and they say, I need help with my reactive dog, I throw out the word reactive and I go, explain to me the situation and what's happening right because reactivity has taken such a, a broad brush. It covers so many things that mm. it's not even a helpful word to use anymore alone by itself it doesn't it doesn't um, indicate anything to us yep because the dog might be losing its mind gonna kill you and people call that. Oh, he's just a bit reactive. (laughs) Or he might be the most friendly dog that's ever been on the planet Mm. and just wants to get over there and hug and kiss you. And we call that reactive as well, right? And that's a really different treatment plan for those two dogs.
1: Listening to this conversation, I'm smirking as we're doing it because it reminds me of, you've probably heard this joke before, but it reminds me of this joke where this guy is walking through a town with his grandson Mm -hmm. and he says, you see that building over there? He said- Myself and a bunch of architects designed that building. And he said, but do you think the people in this town look at me and say, <laughs> there goes Frank, the greatest architect in all of the town. And his grandson says, wow, that's awesome, granddad. Walking along a bit further and he said, see those ships over there? He said, I designed that ship, that one specifically over there. Uh-huh. And he said, but do you think the people in this town look at me and say, there goes Frank, the greatest shipmaster that we've ever produced. No, of course not. And he said, but you fuck one goat. <laughs> I love that joke. I love that joke too. It's been told so many different ways.
0: But, but that, You fuck just one goat. Yep.
1: <laughs> 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 but that goes to show that people will hang off something. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it, it's just – They can't get past it in a conversation. And that's funny how our minds work in that. And it often intrigues me when I'm having conversations with people. I remember specifically a family member of mine one day, we were talking about this other person. And I said, oh, this person said they thought you were a bitch, but they were mistaken and recoiled themselves and said, you know, that that was harsh and you're not that sort of person at all. They could not get past the fact that that comment, they thought you were a bitch. Because it was basically as soon as that was said, it was like, oh, fuck them. Yeah, I don't know. Went on, yeah. The blinkers went on straight away. And I said, no, 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 no. And then I thought, ah, oh, I should never have said that. Mm. Should never have said that. Because that dominated the conversation. And still to this day, that's the hanging point of the conversation. Mm. And that happens a lot in dog training circles as well. To be honest, I've had that same bias myself with people, and I've just thought, I can't get over the way that you think like that. And it's kind of crippled friendships in the past mm-hmm. where I'm sure that's happened with me before with people. People have said, oh, you know, we just agree to disagree on too many terms. There's no point in in us staying in the same circles anymore. It's happened in so many circles of training. And that's because, as you have pointed out, there is a crisis around language, around how we interpret it, how we integrate it into our lives, the different meanings it has to different people, um, the offense that people take to some of it. And some things that, you know, that I've gone through most of my life thinking, how could that be offensive? But to some people it's, it can be some of the most offensive things that you're saying to them.
0: Yeah. And like I say, we have a lot of arguments that stem, especially in the dog world, we have a lot of arguments that stem from our choice of language. Mm. And it's, it may even be that we really agree on the on the terms, right? But the word, the particular word that you've used has a meaning to me that I don't agree with what you're saying. Right? Yep. We see this a lot in the first force free community, right? They will always sort of talk about like aversives, like any form of pressure is aversive,
1: yep. right? And yet they use it.
0: Well, like – Without
1: acknowledging
0: that – But but that – let me explain. Like, the choice of words – See, my choice of word will often be pressure, Mm -hmm. right? Because I think that pressure covers things a lot more. And, and like, you know, this is a – as a person who talks so much as I do and, and teaches people things, words are important. I'm really aware of that. I choose mm. the, words that I, the words that I use to explain things. I choose very carefully because I, as I say, I'm trying to control your thoughts and I'm trying to steer you. You've asked me to teach you something. So I'm trying to steer you towards the yep. knowledge that I'm trying to give. So the words that I use are very important. Mm. And so more often than not, when I'm referring to the use of any tool, I will say it's a pressure. Right. And because I feel like that's a word that most people can accept and a pressure can take on many forms. And I'll often say pressure can be. It's difficult
1: to argue against as well.
0: That's right. And Mm. so, and I'm not interested in having an argument with you. I only am you've, you know, most of the time I'm trying to get to the point that you've asked me to explain. So I don't want to stall along the way with a a contentious word. Right. But then the same things that we're explaining can then the word aversive could be put in, in the form of pressure. Mm -hmm. And then you say, well, Aversive to me means they want to avoid it, right? And then you say, yeah, so why else would they want to turn off the pressure if not to avoid it? And there's a like a, a loop that we can get talked into, right? Mm-hmm. And so by that choice of word, aversive, sets it in your mind that that's a thing that's bad, yep. right? And it is, in my opinion, it is. That's why when I say I want to stop a behavior, I will use an aversive. That's the form that the pressure takes on is aversive because I want to stop something. Mm-hmm. but you see some people who want to you know, limit their, the other people's use of tools and negative reinforcement essentially, yep. we'll call that aversive. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, well, no, it's not necessarily aversive. And people say, you know, and this is the argument, this is the loop that I've been around with people. And I enjoy talking like this because I think especially we sharpen our tools when we talk to our peers because we're not – I'm not trying to convince my peers. So, you know, I enjoy conversations with force-free people and I've had this like around Mm -hmm. and I know that – I know they're doing to me what – we're sparring, right yep. because they are preparing themselves for answers when they're teaching an event and someone like me is in the crowd and says, hey what about this and they get to practice on me in re-establishing their point and yep. uh, you know arguing right mm-hmm. which is what they have to do and I know they're doing that to me and I do that to them right because you know people will ask questions and and the better you can rehearse your answers on someone that is forgiving you know when you have a friend and you go like hey can we pretend, can we just delete those last five back and forth parts and let me start again because I fucked that up. And they go, yep. Okay. Like, and go. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas when you're talking to the public, you don't get that. Right. So you need to rehearse. You need to sharpen that tool. You do. So like I say, what I notice is people who I converse with that in the force for instance, they use the word aversive when they mean pressure. And it's because they are trying to control your mind into stopping you doing it because aversives don't start things. And I have then said to people, well, like I don't consider that an aversive that pressure I'm putting the dog under there that's not an aversive well why does the dog want to turn it off if it is not aversive and I say, and then we come come around and this is like I get to sharpen my tool now and I say well because the turning offer announces the next positive yep. so he wants to turn that off because turning it off shows success and it means that he will find the next
1: success in the in the, the positive reinforcement, right? The real head fuckery starts when you start telling people that aversives are motivators. See, this is the thing, <laughs> right? So we're never going to completely agree. Mm. And the only
0: way that we could remove this bias of language causing arguments in dog training is to have a standardized set of definitions. And could you imagine trying to get to that? Like, first of all, who's the body? I think
1: we could probably solve world peace <laughs> first. I agree. Yeah. Or eliminate world hunger. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, that's nearly done. You know that. Um, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. World hunger is like, I mean, there's hungry people around the world, but there that's largely been solved with rice. Right. Yeah. That rice that, uh, contains protein. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's another topic. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that it, it's frustrating. And I think that you, you just have to be careful by allowing people to manipulate the words as you understand them. Mm-hmm. But that's what's going to happen is because we are using words outside of their precise definition or there is no precise definition for the, the things that we want to convey.
1: Yeah. Thinking on that, I like the idea of that. I like the idea that we could come together and form some sort of ideology where there would be a group language Mm -hmm. that most people would draw from that well and say, this is probably the best set of terms that well describes things to eliminate a lot of the arguments that we're actually having. I think the problem that I generally see is you'll get somebody who comes into the industry and they think, I don't really want to use them because how can I be progressive and stand out and be this new shining star trainer? I need to invent I guess that's what i have seen a lot in my career and people have described that in their careers to me as well is that i guess your grandparents would call them a young upstart that comes into the industry and basically says well i don't want to be gray like everybody else i want to be turquoise mm. you know and i want everybody to see me and i want to be the next magician dog trainer that's out there that's the difficult part is that person will come out They'll start using a language and then they dupe people into it and then people go, oh, my God, new language, new stuff, new shiny things to look at. We're all a bit guilty of this. We're all looking for the next new thing. Yeah. I remember Boyd telling me years ago we were sitting down as a group of trainers and we used to have a bit of a think tank session where we'd all get together and discuss terms and concepts and like try and reanalyze what we're actually doing and think to ourselves, are we really doing what we think is the best thing to do or is there better knowledge out there, which I really appreciated time with those people. I think that gives you perspective and insight. And Boyd said, look, I've, I've done a lot of traveling at this stage. He said, what a lot of trainers are doing, not just in dog training, but martial arts and other things, is they're always looking for that next big thing. They're on this incredible pilgrimage thinking it's just over the horizon, the next big thing. And then they get there and then they're, met with somewhat a bit of disappointment because they think, oh, I kind of know the majority of this mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of gloss to it, so I need to look to the the horizon for the next big thing. And he said they never really complete their journey. They're always on this pilgrimage where they sort of come round back to the beginning and think, fuck, I've been learning this thing the whole time. He said, but what they do pick up on it is they do pick up some of those little nuances, mm-hmm. you know, those little one and two percenters that sort of, you know, they're the little fulcrums that slot nicely into the machine to make the machine run better. Or it's a bit of oil that helps lubricate it and get it moving along a little bit more freer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I agree.
0: I think that sometimes when people are always looking for the next new thing, it's because they're very unhappy with what they have currently. Yeah. Or they're trying to establish themselves as different to be interesting. Right. Yes. Because like, I doubt that anybody is, making any amazing breakthroughs in dog training anytime soon, right? Like there's a lot of people training dogs at really super highly effective level Mm. and there's people doing it in extremes in particular directions. And those people like know, you know, they have a deep knowledge like in a very narrow channel. Yep. And so most of the new information has been found out by those people. It's disseminated by them and then it's aggregated by normal trainers who use the necessary bits from each piece, right? Mm. I think that sometimes when people are constantly looking for their point of difference, that's because they're unsatisfied with the norm. Yeah. And it's because maybe like they're just a face in the crowd of the norm. Right. Like I was thinking when you were just talking then, like, you know, we had Denise Fenzi on last week and it was a great interview and I really enjoyed the conversation with mm. her. And one of the things that she said about that, you know, she's a, like fits into, and I need to better use this language because it, it's not a, I usually refer to like the force-free community, right? And I think that as balance trainers, we gave them that, right? Because we know that's not real. And Mm -hmm. so we put that on them kind of as a derogatory term. And when you look at people like herself, they call themselves like plus R trainers, right? That's They train things with positive reinforcement. That's all they want to use, right?
1: Now, Well, they've called themselves a lot of things. They've gone through migration of different terms. Yeah, so let me rephrase. The ones I respect and-
0: think achieve good things. Yep. Call themselves plus art trainers. Yep. Right. And so what she said about her training technique was that it needs to be kind, effective, and she doesn't use pain. And those mm-hmm. are ethics choices. At no point in the interview did she, you know, I talked about using pressure and negative reinforcement. And at, she didn't
1: tut at any At
0: nothing. Right. And so that's an ethics choice, right? Like, and what you do in training, like she at no point tried, I think also she's at a point where she's not defending herself, right? She's achieved what she's She's achieved. happy
1: with her – she's happy yeah. in the skin she's in.
0: And also, you know, people, can't, people want us to have plus R trainers on the show in order to have an argument. And I've told people it's not going to happen mm. because the good trainers are that by ethics choice. And who the fuck am I to tell people what their ethics should be, yep. right? Like you have – well, I was about to say you have a conscience, you know, you are the conscience. (laughs) You have a body, right? Oh, we're getting into Buddhism. Yeah, but so Mm. like you have to do what's right, sits right with you and that's fine. Like people can totally do whatever they want. And so long as they're, I think that her method be kind and effective, that totally fits in with everything I do. Only I have a different definition on what kind is, right? Mm. Like I'm happy to use pressure at certain
1: times. And there again lies the definitions of language. Exactly, right? But I think in- Or interpretation or definition. That's right. So I
0: think like we could describe each other as being this – well, I could describe her as being the same as me. She only trains – she's always kind to the dog and she ha- wants it to be effective. And I think I do the same,
1: right? I think majority of us who got in this industry for all the right reasons would argue that that is exactly where we it, got into it.
0: Exactly. And then it's a personal choice on what is kindness, mm-hmm. right? Like where does that fit on the spectrum of tools that you're prepared to use and, and whatever. And the idea of me saying to someone that is effectively training a dog, you're wrong, you should do it this way – that's outrageous to me. I'm mm. never going to say that to anybody. We could say, hey, that's interesting. Have you, like, this is how I would do that. And maybe we can sort of have a discussion about that. And maybe we could end up in the middle or we could agree to disagree. There's lots of things that could go. But the idea that I'm going to say to someone, like, that, is a kind and effective. Yep. And let's keep that word effective as being <laughs> super important in that, right? Because mm. there's plenty of people on both sides of the spectrum, whether it be plus R people or, old school yank and crank, right? Yep. There's plenty of people that will say, no, I'm kind to the dog and think they genuinely think they are, but are not effective. Right. Yeah. Like Uh, that, those Uh, people we can remove from the conversation. Yeah, I
1: absolutely agree.
0: But those people we can remove from the conversation. But I think that, what kindness look like effective is an objective standard and we can all look at that and say you passed or failed Mm. right like that's something we can easily do especially when people are competing in sports we can say you passed or failed it's as simple as that you you were not effective or you were you got the title simple right but kindness is a spectrum Mm. and that's a word that like has a definition that everybody is unique to everybody else you know i try to be you know especially at the moment it's a huge part of my own daily life is i try to be as kind as I can to people in every circumstance. And I think that mostly throughout my life I am, but you know, I had spent a couple of years in Afghanistan fucking dropping bombs on people. And sometimes that was the kindest thing that could be done for those people compared to what would have happened in other circumstances. So yep. there's a spectrum to kindness, mm. right? Like that is not a clear thing on what that is.
1: There's a term that we've used and coined frequently on the show. It flouts about the industry, which I kind of like it as well is the dog living its best life. Yeah. And that's when I think of that word, or that phrase, it kind of summarizes to me the kind of trainer that I want to be is helping people and helping my own dogs get to live their best life, whatever that may be. And whatever journey that takes, as long as you and the dog are migrating on that pathway together, I think that you're a great trainer. You know, I think if you can help trainers learn to be the type of trainer that helps a human and a dog live their best life together, you've made it. You've, you've set out what you needed to be. If you're a competitor and you're living your best life through competition and the dog's enjoying itself and you're enjoying itself, regardless of the tools you used, regardless of the language that you're using, regardless of anything, if you've got there, in my opinion, I think you made it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that the point of the episode as I saw it was I feel like in the industry, language is important. We have a lot of different words that mm. can mean a lot of different things to people. And what I am trying really hard to do is when a word causes an issue with someone, instead of then having the fight sort of saying like, Hey, can you give me a definition of that word please? Because then we may totally avoid the fight. And I'll say, Oh, by your definition, I agree with you. Right. And I think that, For the most part, we agree on most things with people, right? And so, like, for me, that was an awakening moment on the fur baby thing, but also on the work, Mm. right? Because by my definition of the work, your dog is not capable of the work. Yep. But by your definition of the work, he is. And Mm -hmm. so, I apologize and I say for the work that, as you understand it- It's important to you. That That is the thing. And so, we can avoid the whole fight. Mm. Because I can say, like, I will run your fucking dog off the field. I will chase your dog back to his car and lock him in the crate- and they're not even going to put that dog in that situation. So that's not the work. Mm-hmm. That isn't the work. So I'm wrong. When they say their dog is capable of the work, I'm wrong. Their dog is capable of the work, but the work is a, has a def- different definition to what
1: I originally thought. Yeah, it's interpreted differently.
0: Yeah, so I had that realisation and I think that that probably happens with a lot of different words and I think Mm. that we could go a long way in doing that. We may never agree on a standardised set of definitions for many things, work, drive, you know, so many different words. Can a dog shit in drive? absolutely. And shit drive, right? Like whatever, it doesn't matter. But Mm. when someone, I think that's what I'm going to do as much as I can in the future now is when someone says something and I viscerally disagree with it, before I say you are wrong, I'm going to say, Hey, there's a couple of words in what you just said, please expand on your definition of what that means. Mm -hmm. And I feel like more often than not, we're going to agree. I'm going to say, yeah, okay, that's fair. I agree. I don't necessarily agree with your definition and I'm not going to use that word in that way in the future. Yeah. But considering the context and how you said that this time. I do accept that and we can agree and we can move on. And I feel like – imagine how Mm. many fucking Facebook fights would be avoided doing that.
1: That's a very good point. I spoke to you about this a while ago and it's a large reason about why I withdrew myself from a lot of forums. I read some of the points but I don't comment anywhere near as much as I want to. Number one is sometimes I was reading back through some of the comments I was making and I thought I'm just saying that to be relevant, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm just – appearing. Guys,
0: look at me. Yeah. That's pretty much it. It,
1: Just popping in the forum to say, I want to make myself feel validated. So I kind of thought, I don't really need to do that. It's been answered by some very intelligent and very well thought out answers. Anything that I'm putting on top of that is just complete validation. So I don't do it. I also don't do it because I, I also think to myself, I just don't have the time to do it anymore. I don't have anywhere near as much time as I used to, to sit on forums and just vehemently argue backwards and forwards over a point that I don't think there's any merit in it. Again, rehashing on that old point, some people answer them so well, I just think, fuck, that's so impressive. Mm. The answer has actually educated me on how to be a better listener, read something well, you know, and you made a very salient point about it as well is rather than be quick to let your mouth fire off, let your brain process it a little bit first. Yeah.
0: Do you know, sorry, do you know who does that the best? Who? Jazz in the GRC dog sport group. And it's not that she's trying to big note herself. It's because she's really trying to get people in the sport, right? Mm. She's trying to help everybody that is in there. The amount of shit she gives away for free in there, people will be like, oh, I've got this idea. And this like whole essay gets fucking written yeah. with a video explaining and, and explaining. I'm like, Jazz, the amount of time, energy, effort you're putting into this, like you're giving away so much of yourself to these people. But who she's aren't... living her best life. Yeah,
1: totally, right? Yeah. Like
0: I get it, but like it's yeah. – that's what I'm saying. When you look at these forums and you see some of the ways these things are answered, you go, holy fuck. Yeah. Like, I can't believe the amount of time, energy, effort that you've put into that, yeah. to answering that question, just because you're a good person.
1: Yeah. Right? But they've made the world a better place by doing it as well. And again, when I read it, I think to myself, I've actually learned something. mm I would have answered that probably with one-tenth of the effort. This person's gone into, you know, a full gamut of explanations, but they've also given good definition as well. And then you're thinking, wow, even better, some people reference it. Yeah. They actually give away the referee of where they actually learned it, and I think that is just gold. Even better. Why would I come in and, you know, soil this with something that I'm just going to – Hey, guys, I'm here too. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Don't forget me. I think that's been an important growth part for me is not getting involved where I don't need to get involved mm. and cherishing that there are some wonderful up and coming people out there in the industry who it's great to learn from them as well. Mm. You know, you don't need to be the old Oracle that's just having a Grandpa Simpson moment and thinking, oh, I've just got to blurt out a word. Mm. If it's been answered, you know, like the response, give them some credibility for taking the time and effort to put it out there. Hey, you know what? We put this podcast out why don't we have a call to action on some terms and definitions? I mean, yeah, is, it, is, um, it, is it possible?
0: Yeah, you think? I think that would be a good. I, I'm trying to minimize my Facebook time currently, but that's a post I'd like to engage
1: with. Yeah, but again, there's going to be some great people in our community. I mean, look at the quality of people that we've got in things like the Balance Symposium and the Canine Paradigm Discussion Group. When you read some of the responses and some of the effort and see some of the things that people are doing in there, we really are spoiled for choice Mm. you know we really have surrounded ourselves with a great community of intelligent provocative and talented people you know what might be fun to do what's that we could have a podcast
0: like so instead of doing that in facebook right like Mm. we have our discussion group and we could put you know like what's a word that has a couple of weird definitions and you put your explanation and people can read all that yeah or we could have like an open podcast Yep. Where we could do that, say on Zoom mm-hmm. and we could have whoever wants to like I think I on it. my Zoom account I can have up to a hundred people. Okay. Right? And you have your turn and you say, hey, here's a word I don't like. And then other people can say, Well, fuck you! Uh, I do like that, and here's a word that means a lot to me. And we could have an actual conversation around that, and be like, "This is a word that triggered me, and and now it doesn't," or "This is like this is the hill I die on." The great
1: debate,
0: yeah. Well, I think it well not a debate, a conversation, because Mm. we're not looking to change anyone's mind. I think that's the difference, right? Like a debate is where we say, like, "I have intent to make you think a particular way," Mm -hmm. and I think a, a conversation would be nicer because it would be like at the end of a conversation, you can agree to disagree. In a debate, there's a
1: winner and a loser, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that would be fun. I feel like we could organize that. And But hang on. So what would the point of it be? Like if we, even if we're going to have a conversation. To you know, understand another person's perspective.
0: So like what I would like to aren't see. But
1: isn't the objective to try and change?
0: No, the, just to understand sometimes. Okay. Like what I would like to see is some people get on there and say – no, like fur baby is the worst thing you can say, and everybody that says it is the devil,
1: right? Yep, and then have a reason and why.
0: I would love to hear why. I'm, yep. I'm curious. I want to hear why. And and so that-
1: validate their.
0: Yeah. And that Mm. might be very interesting for me to hear and, and understand how they got to that, that point of view, because if they're going to take the time and effort to come on and do that with us, Mm. they're a friendly person. This goes back to what I was saying before. So I like sparring with people and talking, especially when it's sparring and like, you know, when I, when you fall over sparring, you don't drop the boot. Mm. Right. Whereas in the real world, when you do fall, when you fall over, the boot comes in. So that would be a nice environment we could create Mm -hmm. where we could say like, Hey, I'm prepared to do like, this is how I feel about it. And we'd say, okay, have you considered this? Yes, this is how I feel. Okay, sweet. Well, how did you get to that point of view? When I encounter someone that feels like that, maybe I don't need to go through this permissive conversation that we're going to have because we're friends and we like each other. I can understand that person's point of view without having to have this because maybe they got to the same, if they feel so strongly about that word, Mm -hmm. the way you do, maybe they got to that same point, the same way you did. And you've armed me with that in the future. And that might be interesting. It it might be. It could be a total waste of time.
1: Mm.
0: Both. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Yep. But I think it'd be interesting. and Like uh, what I'm very interested to know is because I don't have this with many things. What's the hill someone's going to die on, Mm -hmm. right? Like who are you, like what's the thing where you go, no, fuck you. This is this. And uh, there's no, there's no left and right of arc of this. This is a narrow channel, Mm -hmm. right? Who's got some words like that? I have that. The four that I always give in that like a direct reward versus an indirect reward, a correction versus an aversive stim. Mm-hmm. And, and I try to use those as much as I can. I try and convince people of those things because it allow, only because it allows us to communicate better. And if somebody had a better set of definitions than that, I, I'd accept them. Yep. But I feel like they allow us to communicate well. Yep. Right? So what else does somebody else have where we say, nah, this is how it should be and this is why. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. We could include a lot of people doing that. Yeah. I also just spent $207 on a Zoom account that will allow me to do this. So exactly. I feel like I may as well use it. Mm.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of that. I've been thinking about this more and more as time has gone by on the different ways and the different nuances that people train their dogs in. And more and more I'm thinking to myself, I just don't really care about it as much as I did. The only thing that I care about is that you and the dog have clarity about what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. You know, And you're right when you're with a student group – you need a clear set of directives and standard terms that the whole lot of you can communicate in one effective language. Otherwise, it's like French and German people trying to use their mother language to have a conversation with each other and getting very frustrated in no time at all, and then warring over the fact that they're trying to say the same thing to each other, but just through an an entirely different dialect. I mean, man, how many times have you seen that happen before? The one thing that has consistently frustrated me throughout my career is when I tell somebody, like a client comes to me all right and we've talked about this on the show to the cows come home but a client will come to me and i'll tell them exactly what they need to do and i said do you understand they go yep and then i'll go to another trainer and the other trainer will say everything that i said in a different way of saying it but for some reason that made more sense to them yeah and i know that i've said this before that fucking infuriates me (laughs) but i kind of think if i want people to live their best life with their dog what's the problem if they didn't get it from me, somehow I fucked up, you know, somehow I didn't use the right words, the right words that made sense to them. Even though when they read it back to me, I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I said, but maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't say it in a way that was more common or more available or more accessible. Maybe I was being too sciencey about it. Maybe I was trying to be too articulate and clever and really miss the point for the client. Mm. So maybe it's on me.
0: Yeah. And you know, like sometimes it can be hard to gauge, like, especially, you know, do we use a lot of metaphor when we're trying to explain things with dogs, right? Mm. Like, and and there's a right mix, I think, between using metaphor and actual practical examples, right? Like, This is how you do it. Sometimes I think as dog trainers, certainly some people use too much metaphor Metaphor and and
1: analogy and it
0: doesn't Mm. translate and people don't actually see what does that mean in real life. Right. So there's a mix of having to do the two, Mm. but then choosing the right metaphor. Like I've got, five or six that you use for most things. And you kind of have to gauge the person. And if, if early on in the conversation, you haven't got a gauge from, you might use the wrong one mm. and it doesn't, and you've got five others that you could easily have used, yeah. but you don't know them well enough to know which one it's going to be. Mm. Like there's one that, hmm, if this one upsets you, just pretend you didn't hear it. Right. But I talk about stim as a keep on going signal and people get their mind sort of blown up about that. And I always have to choose my audience very carefully. and It's mm-hmm. like, It's like getting smacked on the ass during sex. (laughs) And for some people they go
1: like, Oh yeah. Oh,
0: I understand how that is that. Mm. Right. Like that, that totally makes sense. And, you got to be careful who you say that to. Although I just said it to everybody, but like it's a, it's one that you got to choose your audience on. But for some mm. people, that goes, oh, I understand how that can happen. Yep. Right. It can be a keep on going signal, right? But you got to be careful with user and say so maybe that mm. explains it really well to some people and to others they go, you disgusting man, how dare you? Like fuck you, don't talk to me. Or they might have been wearing their like librarian outfit and I didn't know that they would understand that, so I didn't use it.
1: <laughs> Isn't offence a funny thing?
0: Well, you don't want to offend anyone. You don't want to get off on the wrong, like you don't want to- Sometimes you just can't help it. Yeah, well, but can happen totally by accident.
1: Yeah. And that's happened more times than I would care to admit as well, is that I've said things to people and I know other people have said things to people that I know and they've taken offence to it. And I'm thinking, how? Mm. How did you take offence to that? But. You know, offense is something that begins in your mind, I guess. It's how you interpret. Yeah. Sometimes totally. you you know, people are deliberately offensive and sometimes they're Well, if you're looking to be offended, you you will be. Yes. For sure. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I think that that exists. Yeah. Yep.
0: Whew. Been around the bend. Yeah. Give us some feedback if we Yeah, if,
1: let's have a call to action.
0: Yeah. If we think that's worthwhile. Yep. Let us know about having a bunch of people. We can just record it. We won't do video. We can do video as we're talking, mm-hmm. but we'll just record it and we'll put it out as a still as a podcast. It won't be
1: a like a video thing. It won't be the Brady Bunch. Yeah. We're all looking at each other in tiles and, mm. you know, looking down at one person in the middle saying, What do you think?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think it'd be an interesting. Conversation. I think it would be
1: interesting as well. Or we might miss the mark. And maybe you can have some suggestions of people you'd like to hear us talk with. Yeah. Be inclusive on that conversation. Mm. All right. I'm gonna wrap it up. Yeah, wrap it up.
0: That's it for a bouncing all over the place episode of yeah. the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, please like, rate, share, subscribe, and be specific. Yes, use your words carefully. Yes, because language. We, we know that words guide emotions. You mm. can control how people think. Yep. And if you get onto iTunes and go, these two fucking idiots, and <laughs> <laughs> that that's gonna set other people up to think we're fucking idiots. Yep. So, you know, be careful what you say.
1: Hey, thank you to the people who have actually been leaving ratings for us on iTunes and Podchaser and everything like that because they're coming through, like I get notifications that people have left them. Oh, yeah. So I appreciate it. We've been getting some really great feedback, not only like a five-star rating, but also a comment on what they thought about the show. So if it's not too much trouble and you haven't done one before, if you wouldn't mind going on, it helps us, like it gives us a better rating. It does affect it greatly, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It, it affects
0: does. where you show up when people yep. are just searching so it is a big deal
1: yeah it is a big deal so much appreciated to those who have and if you've been thinking about doing it now's a great time yeah thank you so do that yeah
0: another way you can support the show
1: is to get onto teespring
0: buy mm-hmm. some cool merch yes and if you want to get in contact with us best way to do that is in the discussion group mm-hmm. or you can choose an email we are info at the canine paradigm.com yeah that's it goodbye